Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I um, just want to talk to us for a minute. On our way to church today, can you pull up that little slide from the song? Um, I made this, the background of the song that they sang from this cloud that, that we saw on the way to church. And um, I don't know if you can see it as good there, as clear as it was in the sky, but there's a big two. There was a big two in the sky. And Cece and Judy both had had dreams about two couples, not anybody that goes to church here or anything. So, And so I I just kept trying, trying to inquire. It felt a little bit big and in my face, you know, there was a lot going on with twos. And so keeping in mind that um, I just love this discovery process for us, just as a prophetic house that God is actually giving to us. I think you're going to look back on this year and you're going to feel like God gave us some nuggets of 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 amazing goodness just I've never seen anything like it you know all my years of serving him I've never seen so much just actual supernatural experiences that are happening and I know they're just going to increase and so when I was talking to him about it I felt like that he led me to Matthew 6. You know, Matthew 5 was uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which I forget my voice. I'm just super tired today. It was just a prescribed, I felt like, nugget of our maturity. I don't know about you, but I have this really deep desire to not act immature but I do. And I have embraced that instead of changing the assignments of God to meet up with my immaturity, I decided to embrace the assignments in the midst of my immaturity. And one of the things that I have just promised the Lord is that I wouldn't, even if I'm not good at what the Word says I can do, and even if there are people who don't believe that the Word says I can do things, I believe, I believe it when He said I can do all things through Jesus. Jesus is the it's, it's It goes without saying around here, doesn't it, that He's the gateway. Yes. That's my awareness and belief and interaction with Him that opens up the portals to everything that He said I could do. And so, I will just I will just tell you that you'll have to give up that internal dialogue that says you've got to really be mature or you can't do it wrong in order to practice. This season, 
because otherwise there are going to be people who weren't sitting in here for 10 years listening to me, and they're going to walk right up beside you, and they're going to begin to do all the demonstrations of the Spirit, and you're going to be looking at them going, well, they're not mature, though. And they're going to say, I don't care. It doesn't give me permission to change the assignment of the Word just because... And in and in our and if you've been in church for five minutes, the religious spirit would much rather you have an experience with your how does it feel that we a wretched sinnerness yeah. <laughs> he and I were raised in re- religion, and so they wanted us to focus so much on how wretched we were that we we forgot to be empowered and so I have several twos today for you. The first one is in Matthew 6, which is obviously the chapter after Matthew 5. Matthew 6 is rich, okay? I don't have time to go through all of it, okay? But it's just rich. Can I even do it? Let's start with 19. Let's thank the Lord for Brian Simmons again, shall we? I just pray, Papa, that you would uh, bless him. Thank you for giving us a Brianese Simmons. How about I go with that? That sounds kind of more womanly, doesn't it? She sees my Brian Simmons in girl form. Verse 19, it says, Stop hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. This is a metaphor. What's he talking about right there? He's talking about where we place our value. He didn't say don't have no stuff on earth. A hoard is what? Anybody raised by a hoarder? Well, super. A hoarder's value system is different. That's why they hoard. They hoard because they're trying to create security. And he's saying that that stuff, it can never make you secure. Right? And listen, in this day and age, in this time, there's going to be all kinds of people Even prophets come and say, scary version. And it just all depends on where you want to live. You know, I'm a planner, but my fear would make me plan away God. That's that means that's a master of me, which is where I'm headed. It says material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures. What's heavenly treasures? What is God value? What's God's value system? Do you know? Comes down to two things. All the Ten Commandments are saw are summed up two things. Love God, love people. 
That's stockpiling heavenly treasures. Loving God and loving people. It's the two things that the little G's don't do. You know, you can you can read the Word and even believe in Jesus and not experience His power. You can get power from the world and not experience God's character. There's two legs of Christianity that have to be equal in length. Your character and His power. By nature, your personality leans towards one or the other. So wherever you lean, you're heavy in that area. That's why those of you who believe in character leaned on the religious spirit. It bypassed intimacy and created rules that thought it would make you gain the kingdom. But it couldn't because it was a little G. It was a master. You know, in this passage I'm reading right now, this word master is, it just means Lord. Wherever you, wherever you gave the deciding power away, who did you give the power to choose a way to. If you give it to fear, fear will make choices every day. I mean, just, oh, just wish I could extract fear from us. You know, God, Jesus was so good about it. Even in this chapter, you could read it because he talks about not worrying and everything. That's fear. Listen, let's don't paint worry or fretting or stress any other way it's literally making the power of choice into a little g's hands little g's are things like fear and concern and all those things right so we're stockpiling heavenly treasures for yourself did you know loving people is a treasure for you. I mean, even in the Old Testament, it said if you want to have friends, you got to be friendly. Listen, the greatest thing you could do for me as a leader that you could do for this tribe is quit judging everybody in here. We're all at different places. We're all at different grade levels. It would be like you going up to school and you're in 10th grade and you're being mad at the kindergartners. I mean, like, why? What's the point of that? That's a futile exercise, and it creates a lot of division. And, it, and what happens is it creates a spirit of control. So those that don't want to be judged, they control things to prove that they don't need to be judged. It's just a bad exercise for us as a unified community. I know we're not unified. I want us to be unified. I know why we're not unified. But listen, His Spirit pours on unity. It's not just a made-up metaphor. He loves unity. Why? Because to actually enter into unity, you die. What's dying? That big old soul of yours, that carnal part of you that needs to have its way 
that gets easily offended and hurt because people aren't thinking or saying things the way you think you need it said. Why are you laughing? <laughs> so we're stockpiling heavenly treasures, are you? I mean, it's just a good question, right? Are we stockpiling heavenly treasures? That's what we were trying to do. See, I don't know if you understand this, but what they gave you in worship today, you're going to need this coming week. You may not be able to translate that, but if you got, did anybody get taken out last week by the enemy with discouragement or anything? Well, last Sunday, go back and revisit what got said last Sunday. You needed that. That was equipment for this week. Listen, I'm super duper into football. I'm sorry if that offends you. But listen, I really understand a whole lot about equipment and football. Did you know that there's a whole strategy about or around different types of helmets and different size of pads? Have you noticed that they're wearing these short pants now? There's a whole strategy thing going on with all that, right? That's the heavenly way. There's a strategy in your equipment. I'm an equipper. She, she, what's your name? Bri Britannica. She, she just, we just walked in the building and she said, you know, I just was singing this little song. And see, I have this confidence in these other two people that I can just throw down anything and we, can make a whole PowerPoint out of it, a whole chord chart. We can do all that in 10 minutes. Who can do that? But see, that is the equipment for this week. Go back and invest just in reading the words. If you don't listen to it, just say, well, you're saying this to me. I, I need to swim this week. So what does that tell me? There might be some stuff to swim through. So he's offering me another destination, right? right? Let's I have a great analogy of this. So I have this desire for my dog to swim. She doesn't want to swim. <laughs> so I, she wants to be with me, though. So she runs around the outside of the pool, constantly kissing me, wanting to be in. But when I put her in, she freaks out. Why? She's not used to swimming. That's your soul. Papa has this desire because everything amazing is out in the deep. The word says that the deep is calling unto the deepness of you. He's calling into he, the deep of you is calling right to the deep of him. The deep of him is calling to the deep of you. Did you know you're deeper than you are right now? That's good news. It's not a negative. Right? As that calls to us, he calls us out into something we haven't done before. And what do we normally do? I could take a picture of her. You freak out. Because you can't understand anything in the deep. But see, someone who's dead doesn't need to understand all that. They accept it as a movement of the Holy Spirit that he's actually pouring out on the earth right now. When I reject it or I'm a skeptic of it, I actually push away something that's been trying to be brought near because my skepticism begins to build a wall saying, well, I don't know if it should look like that. You don't even know what the Spirit should look like. 
really, church has done me down so much that we don't even know what the Spirit of God looks like anymore. People are more about some sort of timeline and agenda. And the Holy Spirit doesn't have that because He knows what equipment you're going to need for this week. Wouldn't you hate if a football player was like, yeah, we don't have time to give you any pads. Just run on out there anyway. That seems ludicrous, right? If you're going to play the game, you're going to get equipped. If you're going to play the game of life, you need some equipment, right? And so He's telling us here what to do because this is what He said, verse 21, for your heart always will pursue what you esteem as treasure. Right now in this room, everybody treasures things differently. The invitation is to give up what I thought I valued, to be filled with what fills Him. But nothing can be in the way. That's why it's an analogy. If you're hoarding fearful things, you're going to reproduce fearful things. If you just start hoarding heavenly treasures, then your heart will just pursue heavenly things. See, I, you can make a bunch of rules. That's why religion doesn't work. All it did was it made a bunch of rules of things that they thought was the standard of God. If my heart changes, I pursue the standard because my heart has shifted, not because I have a bunch of external rules. Listen, you obeying the speed limit has more to do to what you treasure in your heart than it does to a sign on the side of the road. Just, just transfer that into other things in life. The way I treat people in my house has more to do with what's in my heart. Because if I was hoarding, stockpiling, hoarding heavenly treasures, then loving people like God loves me. How does God love you? Did you feel God's love today? Can you just give that away every day, all week? Or are you going to walk out of here and just turn selfish again? Right? And all of a sudden you're just like from forgetting anything we said or did or any way we believe or anything. And then at the end of the week you're going to go, I just really struggled. Uh, duh. Listen, the goal is to live life without struggling. That's my goal. No? Does anyone else want to live life and not struggle? Well, this is the prescribed way. These are words in red. Jesus was saying, I like it in the... In the, um, I think I have it amplified. Let me see. Yeah. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart, which is, this is what they describe as your heart, your wishes, your desires, everything that your life centers around. Listen, think about it. Do you feel like your life is centered around kingdom are the decisions you're making building a kingdom legacy or are they just getting you out of immediate pain you know we're not going to be able to train our souls in this month if we don't even know what kingdom things are 
kingdom things are the standard. I don't care if you've got a big personality or a little personality, all the personalities, it's the same. And so verse 22, it says, The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. So today is cloudy. It's naturally cooler in here. It's cool in here today, right? Are you cool today, Lynn? That's that's a representation of what? What clouds us? What clouds you? What clouds you? Anyone? Fear is a big cloud. No light comes through fear, right? And where does fear originate? Is it out here or in here? See? Everybody's different. Some of y'all are out here. Some of y'all are in here. See, when you know where fear originates, then you can go and get it. I propose some of us think it's in here and it's out here. Some of us think it's out here and it's in here. Wherever it originates for you, it came in a doorway. That's how the spirit of the Holy Spirit works. That's how the spirit of the demonic mocks it, counterfeits it. It always is through a door. Jesus is the door to the Holy Spirit. There's no other door. Do you believe that? Do you understand that the demonic just copied it? Right? But there's offshoots of it. If I'm controlling, I'm in fear. If I have anxiety, I'm in fear. Right? If I hoard non-godly things, like money... But I know that we can't talk about that right now. Then I'm I'm in fear, right? If I hoard the tools that are supposed to work for me, I'm in fear. Because it would be like us, you know, in construction, going and buying a bunch of new tools, and we just don't want to mess them up, so we just leave them in the boxes. That's the way it is with these supernatural tools. Listen, I read this from Brian today. This. Really cool statement. My notes are not even, they're just not even notes. I made a slide for this one. I just think I remember because I put it on here. Made slide. The love of God can win every battle in your heart. Let me tell you which one it is. It's number three. Oh, look, there it is. It even got a fancy little thing on it. The love of God can win every battle in your heart. Say that out loud. The love of God can win every battle. Now ask yourself a question. Do I believe that? How many believe it? How many know 100% how to do it? Okay. So you believe things you don't know how to do. Right? It says the love of God restores what? My soul. What's my soul? So every place that my soul... Do you know when your soul's not restored? Does anybody know? What does it say the answer is? The love of God. What's my definition of the love of God? Think about it a little deeper with me, would you? Can you go a little deep today? We, we sang about going deep. 
you know, Kim Walker used to sing that song. If you've experienced the love of God, you would know it. I propose that everything in God is, he's inviting us into a continual unfolding of its depths. Right? So if I battle, then it's a place that love hasn't become Lord to me there. Remember what that word master, that word Lord is the place of decision. If God rules over, he is, do you like the word master, king, Lord? He's creator, divine, whatever, the thing, the one, right? Let's go with the one. I give him permission while I'm on earth. When I die, I lose my permission. Yeah, my choice on earth determines my position after. Do we agree? So when I think about eternity, I think about what I'm storing there. My decisions today and how I feel today either line up. Remember, it's the tale of two today. Lines up with what the enemy's presenting. The enemy always does a counterfeit of where the Spirit of God is moving. The enemy came into your life before you were five years old and targeted where your calling is and injured you there. And so then you may spend 10 years or 100 years getting over that one injury he just keeps backing it up with more and more and more injuries. Most of it is some sort of separation from, well, where was God? Yeah. Where was God? Why wasn't he on the job? Because we had this, we were, we have been taught that if God exists, there's no pain. And that's not what it says. There's nothing in the word that says that. It actually says the opposite. And so if I measure my life by pain, I will give away my assignment. I will give it away because I will say it shouldn't come with pain. And see, this is what he said. First off, we just have wrong definitions of pain. You know, that's a weird thing about our soul. Our soul has the capacity to push itself further than we think. People with really big souls, they don't like to push themselves beyond that threshold. In running, they call it the second wind. When you scuba dive, it's there's a depth that you get to. You have to be really careful when you come back. All of that is pushing your soul, pushing your body, pushing beyond a limit that you currently have. And the Holy Spirit is constantly inviting us to push ourselves beyond the limits that we currently have. And the limit for him is none. And since, see, he made humanity to flow through humanity, and so humanity is trying to get itself out of the way to just co-labor with God in the way he intended. Agreed or not? So we, when we have these big old souls, what happened to our big old soul? Why did it get so big? We became God. 
We say, well, no one's going to meet this need. So I will choose because I become the chooser then. And see, that the reason why that's demonic is just because God said you can't have another God. Not even yourself. Not even to protect yourself. You don't get to rearrange the rules to meet up with your injury. <coughs> Sorry. You don't change the rules to meet up with your worst day. So, what are we talking about? So, the reason why our souls get so big is because in the place of choice, we removed God out. And this happens to all of us. Every single person on the planet has this. That's why we're spending $65 billion on fatherlessness. Right? Father's jobs were to obviously be a vehicle to get us here, right? But if I wasn't trained by my father in the way I should go, what's the way? Whatever is kingdom. Then I am actually have been trained to put little G's in the place of choosing. So what will a little G choose? Well, first off, it starts out as just comfort. Right? Think of a little baby when they just have a little blanket. Right? This some form of comfort. Not bad. Right? What makes it bad is if I'm 40 and I still need that blanket. We're talking about spiritual maturity. Trying to, anyway. So as we grow... The place of comfort really is the Holy Spirit. Think about how good you were taught to put the big G in the places of comfort. If I wasn't taught that, as an adult, I am making decisions based on comfort for an infant. And so that's why my soul's so big, and that's, that's why when other adults get with me, they're like, stop, because you're not two. I can't do that for you. You know, as much as the girls, they like to call me mom occasionally, but I'm not, at the end of the day, I'm not their mom. I'm their trainer. They're equal to me in my eyes because they're trainers too. Don't get hung up on, I'm just saying, it's all in the way that I frame what's happening in life, right? And so, since since the love of God wins the battle, then I need to try to learn how to choose more things that fall into the category of storing these heavenly things, because that's what's shaping my heart. Parents, see if you can if you can understand this principle, you can train your children because they're showing you what they need. They're showing you what they value. They're showing you, you know, I was listening to um, you know, Primetime, and he's got all these coaches that use horrible language. And so I was watching this little thing that happened. <clears throat> they recorded 
all the players mocking the coaches. And it was supposed to be funny. I mean, like all the coaches were there and it, they were doing, they were put it, put it on video. And so it was supposed to be funny. But you know what I noticed is that there were a lot more beeps on the video when the kids were demonstrating it than when the coaches did it. I remember we were talked about our little angel girl member, and um, she was a really high sanguine, the little girl that, you know, was a teen mom, went to Teen Challenge, she came to live with us from Utah. Well, Pam and I were just trying to help her learn her personality, you know. We would just say different things, you know, and what are what's sanguine's weaknesses? Let's just be honest. Not detail oriented, bottom line, right? No names, no time, all those kinds of things, right? But they're fun. But we were trying to describe to her her personality, and all she remembered was all the weaknesses. And I remember Pam and I having a discussion saying, I think we've messed up here, you know, because we weren't intending on her just to remember the weaknesses. But but then she would see us saying when she would just start talking about, you know, all the things that were weak about them. And see, that's that thing about modeling. Your children are going to be probably not, not oh, I'm saying, if you have little children right now, be careful because they're going to mock the worst part of you. As bad as you don't want to. It made Melody almost throw up over there. As bad, as bad as you don't Why? Because what's happening? You're demonstrating to them choice. And they aren't mature enough yet to choose the better verbiage, the better higher level, right? And so they, they, they become you. You know, I see it a lot, especially in the Huff Boys. I'm like, oh, that's Charlie. Oh, that's Aubrey. They don't even know because why? They're doing what? They're just mimicking because with maturity comes this desire of who I'm going to mimic. I'm always going to follow. I want to be like Jesus, right? Not like Lenny. I want to be like Jesus. Lenny's good, but I want to be like Jesus. So he has to become the standard, not some religion religious version of Jesus. So, Right? So he's saying, keep going, the eyes of your spirit allow, this is verse 22, Matthew 6, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, then the light floods in. So I just demonstrated how to uncloud your heart, right? But if your eyes are focused on money, since it's a metaphor, what it they didn't have the American dollar back then, so let me just help you. He wasn't talking about, what was he talking about? What does money do? Money is just a bartering system that somebody made up. You got something. I mean, back in the day, it was like, I got a cow. Can you give me two pigs? That was their money. You get it? It's a barter. It's all it is. It's a bartering system. Now, it is whacked out in this country. Let me just help you. Okay, so do not, if you follow the rules of this country with your money, you're going to end up poor, po, that's what I call it. So it's another place. So if you're, if you're focused on what it can do for you, so think about all the places in your life. 
that you're focused on what something can give to you. So just let's use love languages. When we learn our love language, what is everyone's desire? I just found out how I feel love, and I'm going to go around in some weird way and either try to extract it or are going to act like, well, I'm offended because nobody wanted to do that for me. My eyes are focused on the wrong point of that whole discussion. You could be doing it right now. What's the point of my discussion right now? Two? I'm just talking about two. Two things. I'm just showing you these two things. Two. Constantly. I'm just, that's what I'm doing right now. Two things. If you get hung up on some analogy, like, you know, I got a pool or something, you're going to get messed up. I don't know where you're going to get messed up, but it could just be anywhere like that, right? Because that's how the enemy does. He just comes in. I mean, he's trying to steal the seed as it's going out. If my heart is hard there, hard there, my heart is hard, hard, heart is hard there, right? Then that seed can't go in there. So I'm learning to get unclouded and I'm learning to focus on the right thing. It says the light can't even penetrate. And darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth can enter? See, this is why it's so vital. The enemy, remember we talked about it, about Johnny Enlow talking about it, about this generation, just correction has been stamped as abuse. This generation is stamping a bunch of labels and a bunch of definitions on a bunch of things that you actually need. Yeah. Yeah. All, all in answer to the previous generation's inability wow. to keep God as God. Yeah. That's all it is. And every generation will have it. When you get to be about 50, you'll begin to see, oh my gosh, this is just a reaction to what the previous generation didn't manage well. It will be forever. It's in the it's in the book. Everything repeats. Yep. We're on repeat right now. And so this is the verse I wanted to get to. <laughs> okay. 24. How could you worship two gods at the same time? Now see, here's here's the rub. In our society, we act like we can. I can have a little bit of Jesus. I can believe he's true. And I can even want the benefits that come with Jesus, but I don't have to really do what he says. I get to choose some of those ones that are easier, and I get to pick those. And he's basically saying this is the tale of two. There's two things set before you every single day. Who has the right to choose for you? Did you establish the Holy Spirit in the position as the right to choose for you? If you don't, either you, maybe your big old soul that day, maybe it just got real big that day and you just needed to eat 45 pieces of fried chicken or something, right? Just think about where your soul gets big and you wish it wasn't, right? then that's what it's saying is that you're worshiping, you're putting the ability to choose between these two parties, and, and, and that can't be. This guy used to say God is either Lord of everything or he's Lord of absolutely nothing because God doesn't share. 
because he's a jealous God. I mean, if you were a husband and wife, I wouldn't share. You know, there's got to be some absolutes in life. Right? I mean, I've never met, I've done a lot of marriage counseling, right? I've never met a couple, and I've done a lot of marriage counseling with people that aren't Christians. But I've never met a single one of them, and a bunch of them have had affairs. That they were like, yeah, we were so happy when we started having affairs. I mean, like we were just celebrating. We had a party, and we had cake and everything. No, it was the beginning of the end. It was wreaking destruction. That's how we have to look at it with God, with us. When I'm having an affair on Him. You know. We all know. We know whether I'm fully in or whether I'm faking it. We know whether or not I'm like, remember what I said Wednesday, we're just doing something, we're saying, bless it, God. Right? And see, when, that's what it says, you will have to hate one to love the other. That's the part you can't even see, right? Is that when I'm not even choosing the right thing, what he says, I'm actually telling him I hate him. I hate your ways. I hate your laws. I hate that you have a standard. I hate it that you created me this way. I hate it that I'm here right now. I hate it, hate it, hate it. So I'm going to choose to be a jerk. I'm going to choose to be controlling. I'm going to choose to do whatever I want to do and choose to be selfish. I'm going to choose to be lazy. I'm going to choose, choose, choose. I actually am saying to God, I hate your way. And see, the, it's the devotion of our heart that he's after. I just think that's a great plan. What does it say? God's desire. He's a jealous God because he desires to have us fully. Right? And think about it. Where did the desire for him not to be God come in? Where did the desire to choose another way come in? Where did it really come from? When did I begin to say, yeah, I don't think this God thing's a good thing? You know, in one of these dreams that the girls had, you know, it was pretty apparent to me in the dream that that there were there was this couple and the one person in the couple was making excuses for the other person to not have to believe. And somebody was trying to confront them to say, "Hey, listen, the lines being laid down, you're going to have to choose." And the other person was like, no, we can't make them choose because if we make them choose. And see, that I felt like that that was exactly what he was saying today. Wow. There's just a line, and he's just saying, just get on one side or the other. Choose and see what the fruit is of your choice. Because who lives with the fruit? Think about it. Because your dad didn't choose Jesus. Just think about your dad for a second. Because your dad didn't choose Jesus, didn't choose to walk in the ways of God, choose the prophetic, choose to walk um, the way that God prescribed. Think about what you've had to overcome because of it. Let's just use Pam for an example. I mean, Pam's dad went to the Catholic Church all the time with Mary Margaret, the wife. But his heart never did change up till the day he died. Me no cuss. Abuse Pam. Beat her. 
What did that do in Pam? Made her really, really super, super angry. When I when I first met Pam, I remember we would have these phone calls and she would use some superlatives I had never heard before. <laughs> Why? Her language met up with this anger inside. Now, see, I I don't care how people talk. But whenever God came, I remember it was on Father's Day. Joyce Meyer was preaching at Cathedral Praise where we went to church. I remember where we were sitting over on the left-hand side. And she talked about forgiving your father because there was a better father. And Pam made a choice that day. She was never, her dad was never going to change. Did you know until the day he died? If she just think if she had spent 30, 40, 50 years waiting for him to change to love her, she wouldn't be the Pammy that we have today. The Pammy we have today, I'm telling you, she would go the longest, hardest, furthest mile for anyone more than me, probably. Because why? She stepped out of what was a treasure. See, that was a desire in her heart. That became a treasure. My dad, I want him to treat me right. We all do that with different things. Some of us do it with jobs, with the people at work would just treat me right. They... <laughs> no, that is not going to happen. Your, your treasure is in the wrong place. You're desiring. You are there to be light to cloudiness. And no one there owes you to be nice. Because he sent you out among wolves. And he told you to act like a sheep. Have you seen that little thing where that sheep is running on the side? I played it for you that time, remember? And it's got that big goalie and it just jumped in it. And then it let it, it got him out, pulled him out with the tractor, and then just jumped in it again. That's that's us. Right? That's why my treasure, my worship has to be in the right place. Because what does God do for me when my worship's in the right place? He rescues me over and over and over and over and over, even though I keep jumping in the same gully every time, over and over and over and over. Because why? I don't change my assignment as a sheep. I have to have him. That's what he said. You can't worship two gods. You'll have to hate the one. You'll have to be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while being enslaved to the God of money, God of mammon. What is mammon again? It's my treasure. My bartering system. Can you see it that way a little bit different? What I barter for to get my needs met. I mean, that's why we have all manner of weirdness going on right now. Because people bartered with the God of destruction to get their need met. That's why we're spending $58 billion on fatherlessness. Right? And see, that's why we have to be a people that can actually demonstrate the love of God. Listen, you don't have to be a male to demonstrate fathering. 
Fathering is three things. Because if we're waiting on fathers, listen, they're either heap full of guilt or, you know, can't control themselves, so they just keep making more children. I mean, it's just going to keep happening. We thought we could put laws on marriage, but then they were, had a workaround on that. Now you don't even have to be male and female. See, they, everything's a workaround. Do you see it as a whole? Maybe I'm going with too big picture on you there for a second. But listen, a fathering spirit, just like there's a demonic spirit, a demonic spirit doesn't care if it's male or female. So we have to realize that if you see someone's identity, speak it over them. You just fathered them. Quit acting like you're waiting for something to show up up here. I'll father you. It's about provision. It's about protection. What are we protecting? We're protecting value. Listen, guys, let me help you. You shouldn't want to protect your wife because they're weaker. It's because of the value. I mean, Pam and I can take you, can't we, Pam? We can take you. It doesn't have anything to do with strength. Has to do with position. Has to do everyone has a position. Why is the woman carrying the seed? Oh, we don't have time to go there. Anyway, it's what is valuable is that we're protecting. And in each of us, in a culture, listen, cultures change. Just get with the program. In a culture of honor, everybody can unify and everybody can distribute value. Everybody can feel valued. Everybody can mother and father and befriend. It's just the way the culture is. When we begin to put all these definitions, we're serving two things. We're saying, well, I want the benefits of the kingdom, but I want to get my needs met in this worldly way. And so, are you coming, Mendel? Okay. Um, And so the other thing, so just keep that in mind on our talk of two, that God is, since he's a jealous God, which is good, what kind of jealousy is it? Like he made you for himself and he will fight off anything that tries to come in and get you. That's what he's doing. But see, God thought so much of humanity, he put the enemy on earth with us because he equipped humanity with power. That's what the Holy Spirit is. When I have an experience with Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters me. If I want to go further in the power of God, I've got to have these other experiences. I got to be filled with the Spirit. I got to speak in tongues. I got to be baptized. All those things equip me with power. They're just prescribed things. You know, if you went to work someplace and they said, well, you got to wear this uniform, you got to, you know, say, my pleasure. See, the kingdom, all those businesses are modeled after this kingdom model. That there's a standard, there's a way. When you do it this way, then you receive this reward. When you don't do it this way, then you receive the reward of the demonic. We're the ones that mix that all up and say, well, we don't really have to do what God said. That's what the enemy said in the garden. (laughs) You have to really do what God said. That's all that's going on. And so, listen, this is, I like, I want to finish with these two verses. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I'm just, just two more minutes. Uh, we've been talking in 1 Corinthians 12 about the spiritual gifts, right? So if you, if you re- go on down, remember what he said about spiritual gifts. 
They're for the equipping of what? Right. So are you a quipper? Are you an equipper? Are you an equipper? All right. So everywhere you go, everywhere I go, your heart will be known. Right. As you what? Speak through me. Right. Because why? I'm an equipper. Right. So you have some equipment today. I I just gave you some. I just handed some out that you're going to need tomorrow. Maybe later on today. So don't act like you don't have any equipment because you're in the game. Right? The game has started. Ready? Go. The game has started. Okay? This is what he said. The reason why he passed out all these beautiful gifts, right, for us to equip the saints is this. He's done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others. Look over at your neighbor. Say, I'm going to be looking after you this week. With mutual concern. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be looking after you with mutual concern. So that there will be no division. Don't you hate it when you have division? There's people in the room right now today. They got division right now in this room. But look, I'm equipping you with how to break the division. He didn't want there to be division because what does division do? Don't you hate it? Who hates division? I hate it. 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 Hate it. God hates it. He loves unity. So if it's up to me, is this true about you? If it's up to me, I will fix division. Is that up to you? Or are you the creator of the division? If you're a controller, you're the creator of the division. Be a fixer of the division. This is what it says, but whatever happens to one member, it's happening to all. We don't believe that for nothing. Listen, if somebody's in here discouraged, hurting, it's happening to everybody. That's the mentality of the kingdom. You may not like that mentality. You might be the one that's her, his head, her head's in the sand. You're like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I don't feel nothing, 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 nothing. It's happening. It's happening. And then it says, if one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. Isn't that interesting? I could preach on that all day, but I don't have time. First Thessalonians, come Mendel, so I'll quit talking. First Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, body, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus. So see, that is his hope. That's what the tale of two is. We have these two legs we're standing on, our character and power. And if we understand that if we do things, just like it said in Matthew 6, those things are going to be of equal length. And we can walk with two straight legs a lot better than we can limp around on one being longer or shorter, all right? All right. So good. So good. Thank you, Tisa. Wow, we have a 2023 version of Tale of Two now. I know a few years back, she had another message called Tale of Two. This one's even better, I feel like. It's the upgrade. Well, I have um, several little puzzle pieces, and I'm just going to practice with y'all about sharing what they mean, because I know the Holy Spirit's on it. So 
I had um, an, an encounter yesterday and uh, several puzzle pieces, little visions I had. And then I had a few dreams last night and some uh, some odd things. I had the song before I went to bed, you know. And so I'm trying to put the pieces together and asking the Holy Spirit about it. But one of the things that I heard in my spirit, I just heard this phrase while I was asleep um, that wasn't really part of a dream. It was a standalone. And I just heard time and time and time and a half. And so I knew that that was from scripture, not even the version I read normally, but Somehow that was in there. And so two places that I that I found are um, that that phrase is used in Scripture, and they're both extremely relevant to right now in this time, and they're relevant to our house. So one of them is in Daniel 7, and if you recall, um, Johnny Inlow's talked about it a lot, and I've shared on it a few times about how what it talks about in Daniel 7 is actually pointing to this point in history right now that the final, uh, the fourth beast is overturned, basically, and all authority is given over to God's people. And Daniel 7.27 is that really triumphant verse where it talks about um, all power is taken from the enemy, from that final empire, that final beast that Daniel saw was overthrown, and all the authority and power was given for the kingdom of God um, to reign forever and ever, given to God's people. So right before that, in Daniel 7.25, this beast or this horn on the beast that Daniel's talking about, the last one, is, it says, He will speak blasphemous words against the Most High and try to wear down the Holy Ones of the Most High. He will try to alter the set periods of time and change God's decree. And the saints will be subjected to His power for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, so that is right before 727 where God turns it all over to God's people. This this final beast is overthrown. But if you recall, that voice to me really resonates with what's going on in the world right now. There's a, This effort has been made for so long now to wear down the saints and to alter the laws, to alter what God really said. And there's been this time where I feel like we have been subjected to its authority, like we talk about all the mountains of culture, you know, we unknowingly were really being subjected to this power. And Johnny Enlow has a whole lot of teaching on that, and he could go into, into great detail on that. But just to, I just wanted to touch on it. So that's one point of reference to our time, current time period. And what follows is what's happening on earth right now, where the where God's kingdom is advancing. It's the kingdom age and the power and authority, ruling power and authority on the earth is being handed back over to man. Okay? So the other place that it's mentioned is Revelation 12, which... Our one life seal is taken from Revelation 12. Tessa put together an incredible um, booklet on our breaking down Revelation 12 and all of its meaning for what one life stood for. And it's its own whole teaching. But there's a point, and it also really talks about, um, I mean, you can go really deep with Revelation, you know, but it talks about our purpose and it talks about the, the, um, a woman clothed with the brilliance of the sun and the moon under her feet, and she was wearing on her head a victor's crown of 12 stars. And it goes on and on and talks about how she would give birth to a man-child who is about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter. 
and her son was caught up to God and to his throne. The speaking of Jesus, right? And so it's speaking about the bride ruling and reigning on earth, um, the bride of Christ. And so the, it says next, the woman fled into the wilderness where God had already prepared a safe place for her. And there they nourished her for 1,260 days. Well, if you study it out, 1,260 days is the equivalent of what it what the other verses in the scripture talk about where it's time, time, and time and a half. It means it represents three years, which is 1,260 days. So a little bit further down in Revelation 12, it actually uses that phraseology and it says, um, now the dragon realized that he'd been cast down to earth and he set off in pursuit of the woman who had given birth to the man child. But the two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly and escape to the wilderness to her own special place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time away from the face of the dragon. Now mixed in here, like I said, I'm not trying to do a teaching on what all of Revelation 12 means, but again, in between those two verses, there's a a point. I just want you to know this is actually a triumphant um, chapter of Revelation. And it says in verse 10, I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, now salvation and power are set in place and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. And it says they, they conquered him completely through the blood of the lamb and the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives. Here's your two, your two. Even when faced with death, they did not cling to their own lives. They chose God's way, right? They chose the kingdom, the path of the kingdom. And so, so many interesting references to what we talked about today, including in the song talking about soaring on wings of eagles and the scripture that Shudi read earlier, all of it. And so I, I wanted to touch real quickly on the eagle um, the wings of eagles, if you, there's so many scriptures actually in the Bible about soaring on wings like, of, like eagles. And in Deuteronomy, just as an example, um, 30, chapter 32, verse 11, just as an eagle stirs up its nest, encouraging its young to fly, and then hovers over them in case they need help, and spreads its wings and catches them if they fall, and carries them up high on its wings. That is a vo- that is a picture of this eagle. You noticed it said it didn't um, give the the woman didn't have eagle's wings. She was given the wings of the great eagle. Now, to me today, anyways, that is pointing to the fact that these this is Papa God's fathering wings that we soar on. That's why he said he, he said it in the song this way. That in fact, it stood out to me that he said, "Let your faith." reach as high as the mountains. Let your joy shine as bright as the stars. Let your peace go as deep as the ocean because it's actually a letting. It's, it didn't, he didn't say make it. 
make it happen. You do it. You make your, your faith. He said, let it because it's actually his power, his grace. It speaks to his grace over us that enables us to do that. It's a letting it happen from him. It's a fathering of being given those eagle's wings. In Exodus 19, uh, verse 4, it says, God is speaking, and he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And this was God speaking about how he rescued the Israelites from how many years? Was it like 500 years or something of slavery? Now, if you think about, he's saying, I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. And he's talking about when he rescued them from Egypt, right? Do you think, honestly, that people who'd been enslaved for that long had any actual power or even character or authority to rescue themselves? I think when we think about that story, that one's pretty cut and dry. They did nothing out of their own strength to be rescued. It was only because of what God did that they made a way, that he made a way for them, right? They had nothing, like they had no ability to do that, to make that happen. So it's another reference of when we talk about the eagle's wings, it's not us soaring on with our own strength, like we've got to get ourselves up there. It's his wings that are providing the lifting that carry us, carry us on eagle's wings, and he brings us to himself. There's so many verses coming to mind, actually, and I have to go ahead and say this one. There's this one about, in John 15, I think it is about, you know, um, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And if you remember in the Passion Translation, another Brian Simmons great footnote on that, it says in that verse, it goes on to talk about if you aren't bearing fruit, basically, then the branches are cut off which always sounded kind of harsh to me, you know. But actually, he says that that verse says that the Father lifts those vines up to himself when they're not bearing fruit. He lifts them to himself so that he can prune them so that they will be restored back to bearing fruit. So there's this emphasis, again, on his fathering, right? His fathering wings, his fathering that we get into, get to live by. Um, there was a footnote in this, um, there's a new version, uh, it's not new, but it's new to me, called the Holy Bible Recovery Version from Living Streams Ministries. It's all from Watchman Nee and somebody else, I can't think of his name, uh, Watchman Nee and somebody Lee. Anyways, um, and they have lots of footnotes, and anyways, his footnote, one of the footnotes that he has about eagle's wings says that eagle's wings signify the grace and power of God in Christ applied to us. In the fellowship of God, we first come to know the grace of God, which accomplishes everything for us and carries us onward with God. Okay, so there's this emphasis again on it's the grace and power of God that carries us in all that we do. It's not out of our own strength at all. That's why we were singing about abiding today, right? That's why we were singing about abiding. So back to my dreams to apply this. I had an interesting thing yesterday. This is a little bit tale of two for me here. I had an interesting thing, vision in my encounter yesterday, which was all about crying out in need of him. It was all about focusing on how much we need the Father, crying out for for him. 
And I had this this movie came come came back to my mind, which I probably saw when I was like six years old or something. The movie was actually made before I was born. And um, it was all about a bed. It was honestly, I looked it up. It was about witchcraft. You know, my parents just didn't know any better. We didn't know back then. <laughs> so, but of course, God's redeeming things like that from the supernatural, you know. And so it was all about this bed that a spell had been cast on it. And there was a bed knob, right? And the, the bed could supernaturally fly. Okay, so the redeemed version of that is, of course, that in our place of intimacy, in our place of rest, we soar supernaturally. We fly with him supernaturally in the bed, in the place of intimacy and rest of peace, not striving, right? So then, interestingly, last night I had a dream where I was in a room and there was um, a bed in the room and I had been laying in the bed, but it was sort of like I wasn't just sleeping, but I was functioning in some role doing something, but laying in the bed. And I, I don't know how to describe it exactly other than to say an enemy came in to the room and the enemy was so much bigger than me so intimidating, so much more powerful than me that I just, I automatically knew I should just hide. And so I slid off the bed and got down on the side of the bed and was just kind of trying to hide there. Well, then the enemy was walking all around me and I knew that he could actually feel me underneath his feet. And he knew I was there, but he knew that he was so much bigger than me. He didn't, he didn't even care that I was there. I was inconsequential to him. And so I stayed there, and I just kind of tried to lay real low and move out of the way. And basically, the enemy laid down in my bed and went to sleep to spend the night in my bed. And I ended up at the foot of the bed on the ground, just leaning against it. And I was like, I've just got to stay here. Uh, this is where I'm going to sleep tonight. So there's two, you know, those are two contrasting scenes with a bed. And so... What I feel like the all of this is coming together to say is that there's a time and a, a time and half a time that this reference to these these scriptures is God is saying, even when you faced your enemy, even for that three and a half years where this evil empire ruled, I provided for you. He provided a place of safety and nourishment through the wings for the woman. So even when, so that she didn't have to face the, face the dragon, remember? And so there is a period of time, there is a reality on earth that there's warfare, that the enemy is trying to do things, is trying to exalt himself, take ground, and all of that. But even in the midst of our war, God has already provided for our, our nourishment. He's provided for our safety. He's provided a way for us to be rest, to, to be rested even, and under his wings, through his wings of grace and power. And so, but then if you go back to Daniel, that season had a time limit, right? The season of three and a half years is definitive. Like some reason God put it in the scripture. He didn't say forever and ever, this will be what we'll do. For a season, he provided in that way. And so, and then in Daniel, it talks about, as we said, a season where this enemy seemed to be ruling, but no, the things were turned around and the kingdom of God began to advance and with power was given to his people. And that's where we are. So I feel like the times and a time and a time and a half 
phrase that the Holy Spirit told me was saying, this is a transitional period. This is a transitional period where the enemy may have seemed so big to you where all you thought you could do was cower and hide and let him have your bed, let him have your rest, but that season is over and I've actually called you to fly with me in your place of rest, in your place of peace, in the supernatural. I had another dream because I couldn't figure all this out. I was up for a couple hours last night, couldn't figure it out. So I finally just went back to bed and I said, Holy Spirit, give me another dream because I don't understand what you're talking about. Okay. Been up for a couple hours. I still don't know. That is when I had the dream. I had about an hour to sleep. So I slept for an hour, had another dream. And that is when I had the dream where um, Tisa referenced, I was one of the people that had the dream where I confronted, I stopped being pushed around by an ungodly agenda. And I took a stand and I told the other person in that dream that there's going to come a time where you are going to have to say what you actually believe and you're going to have to take a stand for it. And I feel like that's what he's saying. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying there is a time that we are transitioning out of into a time of knowing that you have power, knowing that you are the Revelations 12 bride of Christ who has been given all power and authority to rule and reign. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and our testimony. And so this is a time, like she said, about choosing. We've got to recognize where are we storing up our treasures? Where are we, what place, what season are we operating out of? What season are you operating out of? There's a time when you maybe just needed to lay low and be nourished and be built back up. But we're entering a time now where it's time to stand up and operate in your giftings, whether you are fully mature or not, like she said. There's a transition and it's right now and it's time for us to do that. All right. I think that's it. I think we did it. <laughs> so let's do it, right? Let's let, let by the grace and power of God, let stop holding it back by where you put your treasures. Stop limiting what your faith has the capability of doing by these choices when we aren't choosing wisely. Let your faith reach higher, reach higher than the mountains. Let your joy not be stifled by self-protection, by not getting your hopes up. Let your joy shine brighter than the stars. Let it shine. Stop limiting what God's already done for us through his nourishment and provision. And let his peace, your peace that he's given to you as a gift, go deep, deep, deep within you. It's deeper than the oceans. So it's your place of foundation is your peace. And you will fly with him and soar with him in the supernatural in your place of rest, in your place of peace. So, Papa, we just thank you for all of the ways that you speak. Thank you that you trust us to operate with the gifts of the Spirit, that you trust us to take territory for the kingdom of God, whether we are fully mature or not. You've entrusted us with this authority and this power time and time again and all of the history of humanity. And you're giving us all these puzzle pieces to encourage us and say, look, all this has happened. History has happened over and over and over. But there was an appointed time that I chose when the kingdom of God would advance and and rule and reign on the earth and the authority and the power would be handed back over to the saints. And that is now. So, Papa, thank you for telling us. Thank you for showing us the full picture to give us courage to step out and be who you called us to be. Thank you for giving us the courage and the uh, nourishment that we need through your fathering 
to step out as little children. We don't have to be fully mature. We don't have to be strong. It's in your weakness, in our weakness, that you are made strong. So we will embrace our weakness today and lean into your fathering today to be who you called us to be. So we thank you for this message today, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would seal it up for each person, that you would make it personal for each person, that you would give them dreams and visions, that they would hear words and see pictures and have conversations, see billboards, TV advertisements, whatever it takes, Lord, just make it personal so that this will be a fire that has been lit in them today that actually manifests great character and great authority in their own lives. So we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Papa God. We just can't say thank you enough. We will thank you for all of our days, and we will praise you for all of our days. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. 